a series called Closer. And what we're talking about is this idea, everything in your life that's important to you is probably a journey. It's probably not something that was just given to you or handed to you. Like, even if you have, like, I have a guitar that is, means a lot to me, okay? And, 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 uh, and you think, well, you just got the guitar. And it's, no, all those hours of saving and saving and saving to purchase this guitar, uh, the guitar means a lot to me. But that's just a material thing, right? If you look at, maybe, maybe you're married, and you have a relationship with your spouse, and that's a journey. And you've had, I remember when Lisa and I went to marriage counseling before we got married, um, the, the person talking to us said, um, uh, it's not if you're going to go through difficult times in your marriage, it's when. And I'm like, this guy's never seen love. <laughs> like he's never seen the love we have for each other. It's so deep. Okay, so anyway, uh, yes, difficult times came, right? Because, because my relationship with my wife didn't end when I said I do. That's when it began, and then we have this thing, and there's ups and downs and all these things. It's a journey, and the reason it's a journey is because it's very, very important. Maybe in your finances, maybe you've let them slip a little bit or whatever, and you're trying to get back on your feet, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. Well, that's a, a journey, those things are a journey. Relationships. You know, you ever uh, uh, meet a friend or whatever, and, you're, and, and over time you get into arguments and all that, and then that relationship becomes deeper and deeper and deeper because it's a journey. Well, the whole point of this series is that our relationship with Jesus is a journey. And if you've been around me for any amount of time, I am not interested in your destination so much as I am interested in your uh, direction. Where are you heading? Are you heading closer to Jesus? Or are you heading farther away from Jesus? And this series is all about getting closer to Jesus, having to transform our lives. And so what we're going to be talking about this morning is something that maybe for some of you, maybe you're watching online and you uh, left the church over this topic. Uh, maybe you um, are new to Christianity or you, you've just decided to visit Living Spring or you're online visiting Living Spring and you're thinking, I, I hope they don't talk about this particular topic because this topic is so offensive and so it, it, just, it just takes emotion and it grabs you and it grabs your attention and you, you, you probably talk about this all week long whether you know it or not. And we, we, we make fun of pastors over this topic. We make fun of the church over this topic. It's just, it's, it's so, and, and, and really, in American culture, this is the number one topic. And the topic is money. Now, we've already locked all the doors in the back. You cannot leave. We have ushers that will tackle you. We'll go through your wallet. We, that's why we're here, is just to make money right? Well, of course not. Of course not. But money is something that is talked about all throughout the Bible, in every book of the Bible. More importantly, money is what you will talk about. I bet you by the end of the day, you will have at least five or six conversations on this topic. 
Tomorrow, when you turn on the news, or maybe tonight when you go home and you watch the news, it will be on this topic. Just for giggles, I, went, I don't watch the news or go, go on news sites, but I did. Because I wanted to see if they're talking about money. Oh, my goodness. Inflation. Uh, the stock market. Um, CNN on the cover of theirs this morning was like Warren Buffett, you know, right? Like, we don't even think of him as a human being. We just think of him as like money person, right? Like, that's his identity. And we, we, we give ourselves an identity based on money. What do we normally do when we meet somebody? What do you do for a living? And we take that information and we, I'm just being honest, okay? I'm just being honest. We rank them. Not according to like the importance of their job, how hard their job is, how much money do they make? As a matter of fact, James says this to kind of warn churches, right? Uh, hey, when a rich person comes up to your, like drives in your parking lot, you know, like there's a Ferrari or something, don't bring them to the front of the church and like give them special treatment. So like for many of you who showed up in a Ferrari, I ignored you. I just said, forget them. I don't want their stupid Ferrari, right? No. Right, so James says that. James knows that, that all of us, by nature, our nature is, it, it, it wants to put people in hierarchies. And, and then also our culture. I, I love America, but our culture is to consume. Consume, consume, consume. To purchase, to you know, make more money. And we're thinking, and, and maybe you've thought this. I know I have many, many times. If I just had, what? Fill in the blank. $2,000 more dollars, $10,000 more dollars, $5, whatever. Money, 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 money. So because we talk about money all the time, because we value each other based on money, I wanted to give you a biblical perspective. And you can run out screaming if you want. Uh, but I, I will give you a biblical perspective of money, why it's important, and why it can be dangerous to be at the forefront of our mind and everything. So the first thing I want to do is show you how you were designed and, and how God intended for us to live. Okay, it's found in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Now, when you think of the Garden of Eden, like me, maybe you think about uh, naked uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, you're very unspiritual if you think that. Uh, but naked Adam and Eve, and they're going around, and everything's great, and they can just walk through the trees and pick fruit and eat fruit and just kind of go through life. And uh, it, there's not a care in the world, right? That's not how you and I were created. We weren't created to just sit around and, and consume things. That, like, like when sin happened, sin wasn't like, oh, now you have to work. No, no, no. They put him in the garden to what? Work it. You were created to work. You were created to move. You were created to forage, to tend, right? To take care of it. This is why it always cracks me up. And again, just so you know, I'm apolitical. I really do not care. But unfortunately, because America is very polarized right now, everything I say, you can probably put in one camp or the other. I don't care. But my point is, if you, like, balk against taking care of the planet, like climate change or 
whatever, if you think a billion plastic cups in the ocean is like okay, you, you, you don't realize that that isn't what we were created for. We were not created to consume more and more and more and more and nicer and nicer and better and better and better. That's our brokenness. We were created. It was just man at this point. Put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Here's my point for this morning. I've said this many times from right here. We were created for stewardship, not ownership. You were created to steward your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches your life, your very life, your breath, your days are not your own. They belong to your heavenly father. I was set on this planet to worship my creator and to take care of whatever he's given me to take care of. My salary, it's not mine. It's just what I receive to take care of. Your salary, your job, all those things, it's just a portion of creation that God has bestowed upon you to take care of. This is so vital when it comes to the conversation about money because I'm going to end up at the end telling you you should give some of it away, okay? I'm just being honest and clear right up front, okay? So we were created to, to work the land, to work creation and to take care of it. And then once that brokenness happened, that sin happened, what, what happened? That became really, really difficult. God caused thorns and thistles to grow up, uh, to make it more difficult for us. And then we began to put people in hierarchical stuff, right? Remember Cain and Abel, right? One, one gave an offering to the Lord, and it was acceptable, and one gave an offering that wasn't really acceptable. So what did they do? They, they, one killed the other one, <laughs> right? That's a part of brokenness, because he was a bad steward. And so he didn't like the fact that God was giving his brother special attention. As a matter of fact, Ephesians, so this isn't just an Old Testament thing. Ephesians says this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's why you were created. It wasn't to consume and live your best life today. That is not why you were created. You were created to take care of the things God has stewarded you with. You have a good voice. You sing beautifully. God has given you that gift to care for it, to use it as an asset for the kingdom of God. You're really smart and good with numbers, like, like our friend Mark who passed a couple months ago. You're good at that? Well, great. You were given that gift to be able to then understand numbers very well and Put that towards the kingdom. You're athletic. Your, your body has been given to you to be used for the kingdom of God. You are not your own. Your money is not your own. Your car is not your own. You say, John, this is so frustrating and maddening. It is. Because anytime we try to operate outside of how we're recreated, it brings frustration. It brings conflict. It brings all these things. For we are God's handiwork. We are fashioned by him, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Watch, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Your money, your time, your talents, your body, everything is here on this planet to glorify God. 
know it's hard to see. And then we also think in terms of like, yeah, but John, you don't know my story. Okay, well, we're going to look at a, a story real quick. Jesus says it this way. We talked about this about three or four weeks ago. I used this uh, verse. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. You say, John, I don't make that much money. What could I possibly do? Well, you're not off the hook if you make not that much money. God wants you to use your money for his kingdom growth, right? You say, well, do I, does that mean I have to give all my money away? Of course not. No, he, you sustain yourself. You go through all these things. But whoever can be trusted with very little, in other words, if you just make minimum wage, God is still looking at how you're using that money. Maybe you make a ton of money, right? Well, if you can't be trusted with very little, if you can be, but if you're dishonest with very little, you will also be dishonest with very much. And our country doesn't do a very good job of putting money in its place. We make money the highest thing we could possibly attain. We listen to people who make money in all other topics as though they've achieved something. So we look at Jeff Bezos, right? Jeff Bezos, uh, the CEO of Amazon. I always get Bezos and Elon Musk mis mixed up. I'm not a very good billionaire uh, person. So, but we look at him and we think, oh my goodness, what, what does he have to say on all these other topics? I, I don't know. To me, Jeff Bezos is just a dude with a whole lot of insecurities and a whole lot of money. <laughs> That's it. That's all he is. Elon Musk is just a dude with a whole bunch of insecurities and a whole bunch of money. Who's ever dishonest with much, uh, with little, will be dishonest with much. No matter who those people are, whether they have little or much, it's their character and their heart that God is interested in. So that's what he says. So I'm going to tell you a little story that's in the book of Mark that's really important. And again, if you're fidgety or you're nervous and I'm, you're talking about money, you know, the pastor's talking about money. It'll, we only have 20, 18 more minutes to go. So you're, you're almost there. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. So if you picture Jesus, he's in the temple. He's kicking back, right? His disciples are with him. Uh, he teaches in the, in the temple and in the synagogue, and he's just, he's just kind of there, and he just happens to be focused on what people are giving, and more importantly, how they are giving. The reason he does this is because, here's a point for you, God is very interested in how you use your money, how you earn it, how you spend it, how you save it, how you give it. He's interested in all that. So Jesus is kicking back. He's watching the people uh, give. And uh, back then, they didn't have paper money. So it was all coins. So if I'm giving coins into a bin of, of money, you can kind of tell, <laughs> based on how loud it is, how much money I'm giving, right? You ever been to a casino? I haven't. I'm a Christian. But anyway... Um, uh, <laughs> Right? You're at a casino, and you hear the ding, ding, ding. They, they try to make it as loud as possible so that you get all amped up, and you're like, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. Right? Well, this is a, well, not a casino, but, but that's it. And the, and the rich people would make a big deal out of it. Who thought rich people would make a big deal and draw attention to themselves? But back then, I guess they did. And so it's not like they were flying on a rocket ship or anything. But uh, So they, they're giving this money. 
And so the wealthy people, clink, 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 you know, just, oh, man, I got some more here and some more here, and it's making all sorts of noise. You can kind of see what the problem is already. But a poor woman, poor widow, came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. So you and I, we do what Jesus does. We look. One person gave more, one person gave less. It's very simple. It's an accounting exercise. If you give more money, you gave more. If you gave less money, you gave less. Very simple. But Jesus sees something completely different. Jesus places money in its rightful place. Matter of fact, Jesus said to to somebody, they were saying, hey, do you pay taxes, right? And he says, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. In other words, money is just a thing that we use. It's not the goal. Like one of the reasons why we have closer is because we're trying to get, when you go closer to Jesus, you move farther from the things that distract you from Jesus. And so they put in only a few cents. So he calls his disciples to himself, right? So he's sitting there, he's watching you know, and the disciples are out, and he's like, oh, man, I cannot let this go. Like, this is a teachable moment. So he's like, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. He's telling all the disciples, come here. Matthew, stop talking to that girl. Come on, over here, over here. All right, I don't know if Matthew was single or not, but if he was, it would be pretty cool to be like, hold on, Jesus needs me. You know, that, I don't know. I'm just a dude. I just know that I'd, I'd probably try to work that angle a little bit. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you. In other words, I am dead serious about this, disciples. Disciples, you're in this culture where somehow the more you give makes you more important. Disciples, you're in this culture where money is a thing. Remember, the way we were designed to tend to the earth and, and take care of it, there's no money in there. There's no, that all money is, is just a, that's a human creation. He says, I know your culture really thinks money's all that. But he says, truly, I tell you, this poor widow, this woman here, she put in more into the treasury than all the others. Her two cents. And Jesus tries to get to the root of what he's talking about. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. That's amazing, isn't it? You say, well, is God calling me to do that? Probably not. He may be. He may be. There's one story in the Bible with this rich uh, ruler probably an Instagram influencer, right? He's young, it says. He's a rich, young influencer, right? He goes to Jesus, and he's like, ah, sweet, man, what do you want me to do? Jesus is like, shut your Instagram account down. Like, what? And then you follow me. He might be calling you to do that. Most likely not. What he is calling you to do is put money in the place it's supposed to be. As I get closer to Jesus, I get farther from the ties of money. That doesn't mean every time I get closer to Jesus, I get a raise. 
Or every time I get closer to Jesus, something works out. I win the lottery or something. No, 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 no. It's putting money in its place. We're going to see how, vi how vital this is in just a little bit. So he says she gave all that she had to live on. Now, in a story like this, I put myself in it, and you probably do too, and I'm going to give you a couple warnings. The first warning is this. Well, if I had a lot of money, like the rich people, then it wouldn't be that hard to give. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying. But you can kind of let yourself out of the rich person category. Because if I asked any single one of you, are you rich? You'd say, no, no, because we have rich people flying around in rocket ships that they build. Right? And so you'd say, I'm not rich. I would push back and say, every single person here is about as rich as human history has ever had us be rich. Okay? Like, if you think of all of humanity, we are at a really rich time. Would you not agree? But let's just say, okay, you're not rich. Here's the other problem. When you deal with poverty, sometimes the, the um, temptation is to go, well, if all you have are two little tiny copper coins, what does it matter whether you lose them or not? It's just two coins. You're missing the point. You are the rich person, and you are the poor widow. We're both in our culture. We never have enough. It's never enough. And yet, we love money. It's a God to us. And so when we give, oftentimes we're completely disconnected from what it means to be a steward. Matthew wrote it down. Jesus was talking in the Sermon on the Mount, kind of a big deal. Matthew wrote it down like this. Jesus was saying, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy. In other words, the car you want, the clothes you're wearing, everything you have is going to be gone. One of the saddest things in my life is to watch someone work their whole life until retirement and then they retire and they have nothing to do because their whole life was getting ready for retirement. And now they don't truly know how to live. They don't know how to expend their life for the kingdom of God. And so they're bored and they sit around. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy. We had, speaking of vermin, we had a mouse in our house uh, last week. And, uh, and like mice can do so much damage. And so I had to catch this mouse and check my trap lines and uh, get, get, get everything all set up. And this mouse would eat all the food in the trap. And then the trap was still set. Three times this happened. I put all the food on there and I stuck it in there and I made it really hard and I put signs on there, yummy cheese right this way and all that. And the mouse was smart enough three times in a row to eat that food. I set the trap four times in a row though. So that little mouse head got crushed, okay? But, but the point is that this is what happens. He, Jesus could have said moth and vermin. He could have said time. He could have said anything he wanted. Another, his point is, it doesn't last. And that next raise just makes you want the next raise and makes you want the next raise. He says, don't do that, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Nobody can touch that. 
Nobody can touch that. And where thieves do not break in and steal. No one can take. When you use your money as stewardship and you give it to somebody or you help somebody in need or you... Uh, are, 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 maybe you just use it to buy cards of encouragement and you send those out. No one can take that stuff away from you. Words of encouragement, all the things that we are created to do. So fulfilling to be part of the kingdom of God. Money can't hold a candle to that. And here's how I know. Because I used to make twenty. $4,000 a year when I first came out of college. Now, uh, you know, again, I know I'm 7,000 years old, and I, I know that 24,000 probably back then was a million, but I was happy then. And then Lisa and I, we made more, and we were happy then. We were happy then. What was the key to us being happy? Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. It was how we viewed money. It was how we viewed money. Money was never going to be the thing that fulfilled our marriage, fulfilled our lives, or anything. You say, well, how do you get to that place? Well, I'll show you in a second. Vermin do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this. For where your treasure is, the thing you talk about, the thing that gets you angry or happy or whatever, it, what manipulates you, where your treasure is, the thing that you look at it and go, oh, I feel safe. If you've ever had a time in your life when you made pretty good money, right? And you'd open up your bank account or you'd go online and you'd look at that number and you'd go, not too shabby, right? That's your treasure. That's where your heart is. If you've ever gotten to a place where you just kind of are able to relax and be calm and be at peace because you know that you have everything taken care of, that's where your treasure, that's where your heart is. Then he goes on. No one can serve two masters. And this is, um, just, to be, just to keep it a hundred, this is God's declaration to America. If Jesus sat back and looked at America, and I'm an American and I love America, blah, 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 capitalism, all this kind of, I love it all, great, good for me. But this is the problem. You cannot serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, Jesus says, serve both God and money. You can't do it. You can't do it. If you go on to the news today, and you were to go look, and you're reading an article, just, just test this this week. I know it's a lot to take on right now. And you find yourself getting a little bit upset. Like, have you ever done that? You're reading an article and you're like, oh, I'll bet it has something to do with money. I'll bet it has something to do with money. You could pick any topic. I won't pick any because they're, they're, everything's so polarized right now. Even just picking a topic would just paint you into a corner. You pick a topic that you're concerned about. I'll bet, I'll bet a lot of it has to do with money. You can't serve God and money. You say, well, how do I get past that? Money's everywhere. It's all we talk about. But, you know, when we, when we talk to people just in, in the, listen, if I'm in a line at, at Vons 
and or state or brothers, whatever. And somebody says to me, hey, how you doing? Oh, it sure is cold outside. And I'm like, yeah, I know. What might I say? Yeah, heating costs are going crazy, right? Because money, 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 money. We talk about money all the time. We just don't realize it. You can't serve both God and money. So here's my point this morning. Giving is not God's way of raising money. When you give to Living Spring or any other organization or what have you, I, I, it doesn't, it's immaterial to me. We don't even take an offering here. We have a box in the back, and we certainly encourage you to give to God uh, that way or online or whatever, but it's not God's way of raising money. It's his way of raising his children. And he does that with what we call the tithe. I know I've talked about this before, but it's so, so, so vitally important. Because if you wanted to know why Lisa and I, whether we made $24,000 or right now $26,000, uh, and we're at peace through that, it's because of the tithe. The tithe to me is God's like secret money thing. Like you ever been online and it's like 10 things, you know, secret money manager, you know, the 10 things you should get from money managers. My number one thing would be tithe. Number one money tip for me, tithe. You say, John, okay, let's talk about tithe a little bit. What is tithe? Tithe just means 10th. That's all it means. God view, goes in, it's the fairest model you can possibly have. And I know it's odd for me who gets my salary from people who give, okay? I get that, that there could be a conflict of interest. But tithe just means one-tenth, and it's so fair. If you make $10 a year, you give one. If you make $10,000 a year, you give 1000 If you make $100,000 a year, you give 10000 What ends up happening, it's so odd, the more money we make, the more that tenth is to give and it becomes harder. And it's just an odd thing. It's with this God of money will not allow you to worship anything else. It's a stronghold. It's a grip. It's why you wake up in the middle of the night and you worry. Does your heavenly father wake you up in the middle of the night to worry? Maybe to pray, maybe to be fervently concerned, like, God, I want to pray for the world, I want to pray for this, and that might be the case, but to worry? No, your other God does that. Does your God, your heavenly Father, have you resent your boss because you didn't get a raise? No, he doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, he goes even he goes crazy. He's like, hey, slaves, be nice to your masters. Like, slave, like, what is that all about? That'll be a different sermon. Right? He says, no, don't worry about that. No, it's your God of money that all of a sudden you begin to work up this resentment for your boss. Your resentment for that person who got the promotion. Is your Heavenly Father doing that? Are you closer to Jesus because you resent your, the buddy next to you in the cubicle or the man or woman who got the promotion? No, no, your Heavenly Father doesn't do that. That's your God of money. Does your Heavenly Father, when you see someone hit the lottery, does your Heavenly Father go, wouldn't that be cool if it was you? <laughs> it just seems silly, right? You're like, no, of course God doesn't do that. Your God of money does. Your God of money is constantly going, you're not happy. You're not content. 
You don't have enough. If you just had a little bit more. Come on, come on, just a little bit more. Just right to here. Here you go, here you go. Uh, uh, here you go, did you get a raise? Uh, that's your God of money. Your God of money is a horrible God. Bad God. <laughs> right? Bad God. Giving is not God's way of raising money. It's his way of releasing you into the freedom to realize having that 10% isn't going to make your life great. So another 10% in a raise or whatever isn't going to... Does it make it easier? Yes. All those things. Yes. I'm not coming down on money or capitalism or anything. It's just a bad God. We get anxious over money. We get combative over money. Countries go to war over money. Oh, my goodness, if you stop our oil supply, oh, then we can't, oh, and we have to go bomb you because we, we, don't, we, we want to consume. We have to consume. It's a bad God. Consumerism is a horrible God. And you know this, and I know this. It never works, does it? It works for a little bit. works in the short term. You know, trust me. I get Amazon boxes that I am very happy to get. Sometimes I get Amazon boxes and I forgot what I ordered, and it's like Christmas. And that's just fantastic, right? And that lasts until I'm back on Amazon again. Because that God is a bad God. You can never give enough. You know what God says? 10%. This is the key to breaking the chains. This is how you get away from that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Because if you're, if you're thinking about this now, and you're in your, my age, your late 30s, you're like, 10% of what I make now? This is why I tell people all the time, get your kids into this exercise of freedom early. If they make a dollar, have them give away 10 cents. You're like, what does 10 cents do? For the kingdom, probably nothing. It's just 10 cents. To Jesus... Oh my goodness, it's a, you're on the right path. Because that dollar and 10 cents becomes $10 and $1, and it just releases you from the bondage that the bad God of money has. Sorry, I'm taking too much time. Here we go. Malachi says this bring the whole tithe, the whole tenth, everything, bring it into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. In other words, so. In the Old Testament, this was kind of how the, the temple would go. You'd bring in sacrifices. Those sacrifices were used um, to, as not only an atonement for sin, but also to feed the priests and to do all this kind of, to keep it, to keep it going. But the reality is, uh, what, Jesus, what God wanted out of the Israelites is don't trust in the crops. Don't trust in the rain. Don't trust in these things. Trust in your heavenly Father. I will be your God and you will be my people. And one of the ways you're going to show it is that when you have a harvest, you take part of it as it breaking chains of bondage and giving them to him. Test me in this, he says. It's the only time in scripture God says, test me. And again, if you're watching this and you're like, I, I knew I shouldn't have come to church. All they do is talk about money. Then I would just say this. Then you stop talking about it. I'll bet I talk about it less than you talk about it. Then stop talking about money. You can't. It's a competing God. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see 
if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You and I in our American consumer mindset say, I give to get, baby. If I give 10%, oh, there's a verse in there. It says if I give 10%, he's going to give me 10 times that. Do you know that says that in the Bible? Guess what? He already did. That's how you have the 10%. Crickets? Yes, if you give 10%, he will give you 10 times that much. He just does it before you give the 10%, not afterwards. What's the blessing then? The blessing is freedom. I don't know why or what it is about the tithe. I don't know. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you. All I know is this. I am free. Because I know whatever the Lord gives me, I'm steward of, I give 10%. And what you'll find is that not only do you give the 10%, but once you're free, you find yourself sponsoring kids. You find yourself planting trees. You find yourself doing all sorts of stuff because the money, the God is dead. It's just a thing. It has nothing to do with my status. Nothing to do with anything. It's money. It's nothing. So here's my 1% challenge as the worship band comes back up. The challenge is this. Instead of looking at maybe tithe is too much, okay? Maybe, maybe 10%, maybe you make, you know, you, maybe you make 24000 You're like, how do I come up? with $2,400. I, I get that. I, told, I grew up poor. I understand what it's like to have no money. I was on government assistance programs growing up, okay? So I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like to start to get closer. And so my 1% challenge is this. You go home. You look at your finances. You figure it all out. First of all, when you're like, if you're like, I don't even look at my finances. It stresses me out too much. That's a bad God. Your heavenly father can have you look at your finances all day. You're just like, oh, that's just the reality of where I'm at. Whatever. Right? So you go and you just go, okay. If you've been, you look and you look at the number and you look at your gross, where it's tax season or we're coming up on it. So you know what you make and you go, okay, what's the number of 10%? Okay, here's where I'm at. Can I do one more percent? Now, listen to me. This isn't even biblical, what I'm saying. If you want me to be full-on biblical, you write a check for $2,400 and you pay your tithe. That's what the Bible teaches. What I'm saying is, we also serve a God of grace. Test him in this. Maybe you look at your, your, your thing and you're only giving 5%. Give 6%. Figure it out. What I'm telling you is going to happen is you will begin to be free from that God who will never let you go and always hound you. So uh, let me pray for us. I know that was a tough, a tough one. Um, but, uh, and if you're like, hey, you know what? I don't trust John. I want to give my money somewhere else. God bless you. This is between you and the Lord. You work it out. Um, but he never, ever lets you be uh, run by another God. We do that ourselves. Lord Jesus, would you help us in this consumer culture we're in where things and dollars and crypto and 
all these things. We don't, we're so afraid of missing out. What if I didn't invest in this company and I could have had this? And, and what if my, I didn't have this boss and I could have this? And you say, enough. It's a bad God. How would you give us the boldness to be, to take risks, to be released from this? Lord, for those who are looking and going, I don't know how this is going to happen. Lord, would you just bring your peace and your grace and say, look, let's just start off in the direction of obedience before we get there. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the two of you that will return next week, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just playing around. All right. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray you would go in his peace, in his strength, and in his joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.